Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Hey guys, welcome back to Mom Brain. I'm Ilaria. And I'm Daphne. And today we have Dr. Roseanne Kapana Hodge. Kapana Hodge. She's like the coolest, most down to earth, friendly, friendly. easygoing, warm. I mean, I feel like so many times when we're going into any kind of sort of, uh, you know, mental or healthcare practitioners, we get, like, I get like kind of nervous sometimes um, because I'm like, oh, it's gosh, really serious I subject it's matter. Serious <laughs> subject matter, but you always like want to be like cool, especially like my type A personality. I'm like, I have to like have it all together. But, you know, I do think that, um, part of why it's so valuable that she's that warm and friendly and kind from her core, you can tell, is because she is helping parents all the time who come through her center to, uh, to first of all, educate themselves about these um, the, the mental health disorders and the sudden onset disorders that their kids can be experiencing. We're talking about PANS, PANDAS. We're talking about autism, ADHD, a whole variety of um, of of new and unfortunately increasing incidents of, um, of of mental health disorders that families are grappling with. And for parents to find a resource like Dr. Roseanne, who I really want to call Dr. Roe, maybe that'll be the next <laughs> time, uh, who who makes them feel seen, heard, understood, who gives them actionable advice that they can really take home and put to good use. And who says that she, I mean, you know, she she says that she's been able to reverse symptoms, signs, um, uh, diagnoses through the through nutrition, through stress on vacation, through a variety of different highly scientific brain mapping exercises, et cetera. It's just, it gives so much hope and um excitement, I think, and and sense of agency to what can be a very overwhelming and scary and and informationless place. And so I cannot wait for you guys to listen to Dr. Roseanne. Yay! Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Roseanne. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. So I'm Dr. Roseanne Kapana-Hodge, and I am a pediatric mental health expert. And I have helped thousands of children reverse some of the most chronic conditions like ADHD, pans, pandas, dyslexia, using proven holistic therapies at my Ridgefield, Connecticut Center. And where can we learn more about you and follow you? Yeah. So you can um, go to my website, www.drrosanne.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Roseanne and Associates, which is A-S-S-O-C. And I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter as well. First question is going to be about Dr. Google. Yeah. Because a lot of times, like when I go to the doctor, like just don't Google anything because it's going to drive you crazy. You can read too many things. But then it's really hard. Like you go home and you're like, oh, but I just want some information. Yeah. Um, so talk to us about your feelings about Dr. Google. I love Dr. Google. <laughs> <laughs> and explain why. And I think I'm Google MD. Um, so, but it is, first of all, there's been an evolution in terms of the internet. There is some really wonderful information there. There is a ton of very accessible research. And so when a parent is faced with any level of an issue, whether it's mild or severe, there is nothing wrong with Googling things. And in fact, I encourage it. Mm -hmm. Just look at the information, try to, you know, not get caught up in things that seem kind of fringy or don't have a lot of really valid information. But 
you know, survey things. They're, this is what it's there for. It's a source of information. And there's great stuff on there. Right. You know, I, you know, Google podcasts. I mean, I am a huge podcast listener. I listen to podcasts every day. I mean, that's where they have the most cutting edge information. And there's wonderful resources there. We should never make a parent, especially a mother, feel bad. They should go about and wanting Google. to get good information. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's about getting good information. Well, also about wanting to have a conversation, not wanting to show up with a you know a blank page and have no idea what questions to ask, what follow up questions to ask, what you know what specific action steps can you take. I I find this even with like family members of mine and my and my husband's family too. You go to the doctor and you're overwhelmed, right? You're like mm -hmm. getting all this new information. Mm -hmm. How could you possibly be prepared to have follow-up questions or be taking notes so that you can actually remember what the heck they told you about when you get home and are trying to convey it to people who are helping you? Um, I, I just, I, I am, and part of it's being a doctor's daughter and part of it's just being a nerdling, but I just, <laughs> I really crave information. It gives me some sense yeah. of stability and like, mm -hmm. and, and power in my life to have more information. But I, um, but I think that it's, taking in that information with no filter, with no like understanding of how to put it into context is where it gets scary. And that's what I think is nice that you're able to welcome the new information, welcome people coming in with Dr. Google in their back pocket, yeah. but also be able to have give a them frame. the expert contract. Yeah. You know, have some priming and really even like what you said, be prepared for questions. I know when people come to me in my Ridgefield, Connecticut center, I send them videos in advance. You do? Yeah. With me, um, talking about my kids. <laughs> And my cat. Um, but because <laughs> um, hopefully we all have pets because they're great for kids. And anyway, but you need information. It's a lot to take in. And also when we are worried, we don't always process information Correct. in the right way. Um, I want to, Dr. Roseanne is expert in any number of sort of um, disorders, mental, mental sort of Conditions. conditions, thank you, that um, I think are on front and center of every parent's brain right now. Whether or not you your child actually deals with any of these, it's something that is becoming more and more commonplace. Um, mm -hmm. Things like autism, ADHD, um, but even things like pans and pandas, which I actually hadn't known much about. And I'd love for you, if you would, just to walk us through a little bit of what, what is pans and what is pandas and what, you know, what are sort of, in your mind, the, the reasons that these... Sure elements are becoming so much more commonplace today. Yeah, and they are all linked. So they are all linked. They are all linked. Um, so I don't know if you want to start there, yes. but really, yes, well, yes. Well, we want to start yeah. with definition because that's, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. As, as people are listening to our podcast, we yeah. want them to have, be able to understand what exactly we are talking about. And sure. Then we're go in there so when we questions. talk about the rise of autoimmune disorders, mental health conditions, um, and things like pans and pandas and autism, you know, one in two children in America have a physical or a mental health problem, 54.2%. Wow. That is based on 2011 data, and they're redoing the study now. Wow. One in 37 boys have autism. One in 57 births will be, aut will be autism. Wow. And even though people say to me all the time, don't you think it's better, doc you know, diagnostics, Dr. Roseanne? I'm going to tell you it's not. I've been doing this for 29 years, and it's not. And in fact, I think our diagnostics are awful, and I think we're missing kids. Wow. Um, so that's a frightening thought, right? So what is happening, right? You know, and that's really, you know, I am, you know, the founder and director of Dr. Roseanne and Associates, but I'm also now the founder and director director of the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health because I am going to change the way we view and treat children's mental health. It is bad. 
and it is crossing over every economic status, mm-hmm. every ethnicity, and kids are in crisis, and parents don't know what to do about it. And I want to educate them, but teach them what to do about it. So what's the arc? What's happening? Why is this happening? Why it's happening is a multiple, a multitude of factors all converging at the same time. So we have poor food quality. We have a lack of sleep. We have a rise of uh, infections. Uh, We have increased uh, genetic mutations, and we have inappropriate, you know, developmentally inappropriate educational systems with stretching kids beyond what they can do, causing a lot of stress. There's just a lot of stress on families, on children, and, you know, this is all happening at the same time. And so kids, families are in crisis, and we cannot point to one thing. We can't. It would wish it would be that easy. But on the flip side, parents can do a lot through the platform of nutrition, you know, exercise, sleep, self-care for moms, self-care for families, self-care for children, so that their nervous system isn't in this overactivated state all the time. And when you talk about, so let's talk about definitions. What is PANS? What is PANDAS? So PANS, PANDAS, and autoimmune encephalopathy um, are conditions where an infection, typically an infection comes in. It could also be mold um, and a few other things that creates a misdirected immune response. The body starts attacking itself and leads to brain inflammation. And with PANS and PANDAS, it's a sudden onset Autoimmune encephalopathy is can be a waxing and waning or a gradual onset. And the most common conditions, the diseases that cause PANS pandas are tick-borne illness, mm-hmm. um, strep, Epstein-Barr, and a host of other things. And most people have not just one infection. They tend to have multiple. As I like to say, when one infection gets in, others come to They're the party. Susceptible. Yeah. And then it just starts breaking down. And for, you know, with pandas is strep. Pans is any infection as well as autoimmune encephalopathy is any infection. And, you know, Daphne and I were talking before we got started that, you know, you want to share your story of somebody you know that had a sudden onset. And this is just a very common thing where people seek me out, where you have what's called a neurotypical kid, a kid who's happy and Mm -hmm. healthy and Mm well-adjusted, hopefully not rumbling with their siblings too much, um, and generally listening to their parents and sleeping and eating well, right? A typical kid. And an infection sets in. And sometimes it's known, like we knew we had three cases of the strep, Other times, you don't know you had a tick bite, especially here in the Northeast or as well as California. These are top areas or 14 states that are considered endemic, which is basically, you know, in where I live in Connecticut, if I literally walk out today and I rolled around on the grass in my front lawn, not in the woods, I'm going to have a tick on me. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, and, you know, we know we have um, ticks uh, that carry tick-borne infection as far as 
uh, Ontario now. So it's really on every continent but one, and it's it's there. It's just some areas like in the Northeast where it's so aggressive. The ticks are just everywhere. What so, do you do to block the, block ticks? I mean, yeah. what is the real re- – because I don't think they're, they're – it's not like mosquitoes. You can't just put a spray on and resist them. Well, actually, the number one way that you can block and prevent Lyme disease is by doing one thing. You get a 59% reduction in Lyme disease by taking a shower immediately after being outside in any area, including lawns. If you're in mental health in the Northeast and you're not super educated on tick-borne illness, shame on you because you're coming. The research just came out that they collected two years worth of data from insurance companies and the number one treatment sought by a person with Lyme disease was mental health care. So that's where they're ending up. So I want to give some information about prevention. It's really easy. So one, spray. So you're going to either choose a natural spray for a child or an individual's body, or you're going to do a deep base spray. You're not going to do both because the, the essential oils act as a carrier and brings it to the brain. So we have lots of data to say that DEET sprays do work better than natural sprays. I'm going to tell you that I use both depending on where I'm at. Mm-hmm. If I'm going into the woods, I'm going to the tall grass. Yeah. I'm going to use a deep base spray and I'm going to use Promethean on my shoes. So it's um, a repellent and it is it lasts anywhere from, depending on which product you get, 12 to 50 washes. So you can have a outfit. You can also buy products that have this. Yeah. Um, you can buy an outfit that is sprayed with this that repels the ticks. So that's one way to do it. You want to spray your lawn. You want to fence in an area. Um, and if you can't fence in and spray, they don't like mulch. So you can do a mulch barrier, um, and they don't like to cross mulch, nor do they like sun. So cutting, I have a clear-cut backyard, fully the fenced in. mulch moat. With a mulch moat. Ah, <laughs> oh, I love it. Trademark that. When oh you my visit gosh, me, mulch moat. You're going to see that summer, mulch moat. You're going to see my giant yeah. mulch moat. Do you know what's funny? I grew up, my, my grandparents have a farm outside Philadelphia, and yeah. I grew up riding. I was in the grass all the time. I was out in the fields all the time. And it was commonplace. You would always wear high socks, long pants, like yes. long sleeve shirts if you were going to be out in the woods. But I don't, I, I am so not a fear monger. Like I, but I just don't recall the level of hysteria being there. Yeah. And I don't know if that was because it wasn't as prevalent then that these were carrying very problematic issues with them or that we just were kind of blind and naive and unaware of them, you know? I think we were sort of blind, but, you know, tick-borne illnesses, we now um, date the bacteria to when Columbus came over in 1492. (laughs) It's uh, 40 times more genetically complex than its closest relative syphilis. I mean, it's a highly evolved bacteria. Um, the spirochete knows how to get inside a cell. It has a screw-in mechanism. It screws inside What's the cell. What's the spirochete? So that's the primary, that's the bacteria. That's what gets in. And, <sighs> and it can get into any organ. It can hide inside a, s- a cell. I mean, if I went on to the research, you would never go outside. We're I mean, this is privately. So, so this is fascinating well, well, to me. We can talk about it. I going to say, forget the moat. We are going into full <laughs> lockdown. There will be a, it'll be an igloo of moat. I, I I know. I have 40 feet of pavers. I think 43 feet of pavers from the backyard to the outside of the pool. And then it's fully fenced in. But, you know, when you're right, when rodents are high, you know, that was the only time we ever found 
ticks in our fenced-in backyard. Mm. Burn. So prevention is key, and parents can do prevention. And, you know, tick checks are not enough. You really need to use sprays. You need to bathe immediately. And you need to make sure that those clothes are not lying around. You right. either put them in the wash immediately, and they need to go in a dryer for at least 50 minutes to kill a tick, or you put them in a locked container. Okay, I was going to ask this because we had this conversation when we talked about lice. Okay. Can ticks live on your clothing separate from the human body? And if so, for how long? Well, ticks can live for a really long time. They're not going to stay on your clothes. They're going to crawl. They will. They're going to come off. Okay. And they're going to look for a host. And they can run. Uh, and they can move really quickly. Um, but they can live away from a host for a long time. I assumed they kind of were like barnacles. They needed a They do need to hang on things. But, you know, they can live for quite... I don't actually know how long that they can live. I think it really depends on each type of tick. And it's not just deer ticks. I mean, you know, all again, all type of um, ticks and other um, insects can carry the disease. And also what people should know is the moment it bites, it empties the content of its stomachs in the host. Okay, so I've heard... And when you call my pediatrician and they get put on hold, Mm -hmm. there's in the summer, they always play tick information. And they say that it has to be in for 24 to 48 hours. It's not accurate. The (gasps) research is not. That made me feel so much better. (laughs) So it's not accurate. And the research, we need to be evidence-based here, shows us that that is not true. So it does not need to be engorged to transmit. And where it bites does make a difference. If it's biting on the head, it's more likely to get into the brain. So people need to be aware they need to get treatment. Um, and, you know, there's there's herbal treatments, there's antibiotic treatments, and a spirochete takes 28 days to cycle. And this is critical. If you're not getting antimicrobial treatment for 30 days, you're not killing the spirochete. Okay. So talk to us about yeah. this antimicrobial treatment and homeopathy. I didn't say, you didn't say homeopathy. You said yeah. natural-based, I guess. Yeah. What, what, what should you, if you get the tick bite or you find a tick on your child beyond washing it, what is, and, and taking it off, yeah. obviously, and I mean, it. so there's different schools of thought. Mm-hmm. So there's one school of thought that says you should wait and see if somebody um, shows reactions to it. Because as you talked about, you said, is this really on the rise in the, in the past you know, maybe you did have tick bites. So certain people are more affected by ticks and tick-borne infection. We don't really know why, but we suspect it has to do with genetic mutations and how you detoxify. Mm. MTHFR is a common genetic mutation. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. (laughs) They call it the motherfucking gene. So um, I have it. And, you know, it's 50% of the U.S. population at a minimum we know through research has it. We believe that when you already have autoimmune or autism, that it's much, much higher, that it's at least 70%. Um, Daniel Amen talks about that all the time, Mm -hmm. that it's at least 70% of the population. So- and that deals with your ability to clear toxins? It's it um, MTHFR, you lack an ability to um, properly utilize the B vitamins very simplistically. Okay. This is, and so there's two main ways that it affects you. So one, it's B12 and folate. B12 regulates the nervous system, so you can't properly utilize B12. And then folate is necessary for detoxification. So when you have MTHFR and there's a single mutation, there's a double mutation, if you have the double mutation. You're doubly screwed, basically. But it is linked to a variety of mental health issues, um, including autism, bipolar. I've never, ever met somebody with bipolar that didn't have an MTHFR mutation, schizophrenia, heart attack, stroke, 
miscarriage. So it, there's just a variety of health conditions that can result because of the nervous system not regulating and lack of detec- detoxification. Just because we hear from a lot of a lot of women who listen to the podcast yeah. are either themselves pregnant, expecting, want to be pregnant, have... This is really interesting also because yeah. what you just said about B12 and folate, I think with MTHFR, you have to take folinic acid, not folic acid. You, mm-hmm. you don't absorb folic acid, essentially. Right. So you have to take a methylated. So the good news is there's a treatment for this. Yeah. And you take a methylated version. It's more bioavailable. Okay. Um, and in the past, we really only used to test women who had multiple miscarriages and they almost always would have low folate levels. Mm-hmm. So they would give these incredibly high doses of folate. But we really are learning a lot more about how it affects this. Um, these mutations affect how psychiatric medications work. There's very accessible testing that can tell you um, yeah. if you have it. And then if you are taking a psychiatric medication, which ones work and which ones won't work and which ones could be harmful. Okay, back to the fact that, you, that you'd that you mentioned one in 37 boys born with autism. Yes. One in 54. 57, 57 overall, overall births. births. Mm-hmm. So that's not from a tick bite. That's not from no. environmental. Mm-mm. Or I mean, environmental in utero, but not environmental yeah. once they're born. Yeah. What is, what, what, do you think has created that reality? Yeah. So, you know, back when I started, really most of my children who were born, you know, on somewhere on that spectrum, moms were older. And we're just not seeing that, right? So we know that, you know, you know, we have so many, I, you know, I had kids at, at, you know, my late thirties. Um, so we're really extending fertility and moms are in a lot of ways healthier. They're really taking care of themselves. So, um, but when I started out 30 years ago, it's typically a mom over 36, right. For, um, your chances of having a Down syndrome baby due to genetic, um, you know, deteriorations due to, Advanced maternal age, it used to say on the top of my thing, AMA. Oh, it's so mean. Yeah. Where's the love? Where's the TLC? One of my practitioners, she was laughing about a woman. She was laughing. She's like, I had a a patient who said, I'm going to deliver this baby to cure myself from this disease of AMA. Because once I'm not pregnant anymore, I don't have AMA anymore. That's so funny. Yeah. I mean, and you know, listen, there there are some truths to some components. But really, I mean… you know, pretty much all my friends had their babies after 35. Mm-hmm. They're they're extending their age. They're really taking care of themselves. Um, I have a good girlfriend, uh, Dr. Cleopatra, and she's a fertility expert. And she teaches women on how to increase their fertility. And she has um, oh, she has this wonderful program that incorporates mind, body, and spirit because it's not as simple as your DNA, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of other factors that affect fertility. So what's going on with autism, right? So again, that those same issues that are creating this dramatic rise in pans pandas, one out of 150 to 200 kids will have pans pandas or autoimmune encephalopathy is the same. So we have an increase in genetic issue, genetic mutations that are really affecting. So a lot of kids, there's a lot of symptoms we know about autism that, that sort of cross over to things that um, they tend to have mitochondrial issues, right? So those are mutations that are impacting how the cells work and how they can absorb things. So, um, but the pans, pandas and autism, there's a crossover. The research is showing that about 35% of kids um, that have pans and pandas also have autism. So, um, 
And so, you know, that those are some of those factors. Very, very poor diet. Many kids with autism due to sensory issues are restricted eaters. They're eating. I have kids that eat five foods, 10 foods, 15 foods. You can't do that. They always have gut health issues, Mm -hmm. right? So you know how important the microbiome is and that there is as much electrical activity almost in the gut as there is in the brain. So when we disrupt our gut health, we're actually impacting our neurological activity. So, you know, there is a small segment of kids on the autism spectrum that have a genetic component in it, but it's not that common. I'm more likely to see bipolar parent or grandparent and then a child with autism. So lots of factors, increased stress, just a lot of different things happening. We don't have a clean answer to why autism is happening. Well, so I'm sure a lot of, uh, you know, just just reading through your bio, I'm sure a lot of parents who come to you, you know, want want a fix, want want a cure, right? And I think... I, you know, the, the sort of what we've heard here on the podcast and talking with friends and everything is that there isn't a cure because it's not, it's a spectrum and yeah. every case is individual. But I think you give people a lot of, a lot of hope, I'm sure. And, mm-hmm. and in reading about you, you know, that, that you, that you do say you're able to reverse these mm-hmm. conditions in yeah. many, in many Absolutely. cases. So how, yeah. what do you do? Well, I mean, first of all, the first thing I say to every parent and especially the moms is I tell them it's going to be okay. Because when you have a kid with issues, which I have a special needs kid, it is hard. It is scary and is lonely. And um, there's a lot of rejection. There's like fear. Your parents might, you know, your own parents may not be understanding you. Your pediatrician may be telling you something. It's hard. And so they need to hear that. So, you know, how do I reverse clinical symptoms? I am a science nerd and I use evidence-based therapies to reverse symptoms. And there's really a platform. So this same platform, nutrition, sleep, stress management, it all in that stress management, we use brain-based tools like biofeedback, neurofeedback, PMF. We use very, very specific science-driven types of psychotherapy. You are not coming to my office and sitting on a couch and talking about your mother for 45 minutes. <laughs> that is a psychoanalytic therapist, and you can find them still working in New York City. And what kind of what kind of reversals do you see or what yeah. kind of benefits I mean, do you see from changing these things? I have been so grateful to be on a healing journey with so many individuals. Um, it is truly a privilege and a pleasure to be to do that. So I've helped people who've had pans and pandas, Lyme disease, autism, um, ADHD. And this is what I tell the pa- families that come to me. I can always make it better if you listen to me. Right. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and I'm using science. You have to trust me. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to walk you through it. I'm not going to give you an information dump and then leave you. What we do is like we really are a team. We're a center. We really take you through. You know, I have staff available to answer phone calls, you know, just because it's a scary process. So, you know, we each person is bio-individual, but we know so much through science, we can't ignore what we know about the brain and the body. And we have to stop pretending that your physical health doesn't impact your mental health. And if they can't find a source for your autoimmune disease, it means it's because you're batshit crazy. And that's wrong. That's wrong to blame the patient. And so what we know, and, and that's why I, cl- I do a lot of collaboration with functional doctors, you know, 
I use, I check under the hood. I mean, I'm doing QEG brain maps. That gives us clear information about what is happening in the brain. It's, it's a way a QEG is essentially a, a scan of the brain that gives a visual representation of the health of the brain. We know exactly what the brain does. We know that if one area has low activity of brainwave functioning, another has high, there's only certain outcomes. So I can see what the structures are doing and I can actually see what's happening with communication between mm-hmm. sites. So when I meet with people, I actually do a brain map. I don't even look at their clinical history until they're sitting in front of me. And I say, okay, so your frontal lobe is really poorly connected. You must have this, this, and this. And they always are looking at me in surprise. But we know this information. We're not using this. And then when I know there's a medical issue, I send them and I, you know, to a functional physician who's looking at the systems, not the symptoms, so that we can really get behind what's happening. We have to stop like trying to clean a floor with a wet rag in mental health. And we have to get to those core issues so that you can do that. So it's it's not a one-stop thing. It requires different pieces. Um, and it requires some lifestyle changes for a lot of people, changing their diet. Let's talk about that steps. a little bit because yeah. I do think that's something highly actionable that people can do yes. at home. I wish everyone who needed to see you could come and yeah. see you. But I, even if you don't have a problem, if you don't I, oh, have any sure. issues going healthy, on right now. Yeah. I mean, sure. for us, I don't know how you are, but like, I'm always thinking like, how can I prevent anything bad ever from happening to any <laughs> right. of my kids? Right. That's what I'm Wait, there's, but Hilario, there's a good lesson in having some bad things happen. I of mean, course. obviously yes, not no, medical. No, right? yes, no, one, 100%. Right. You do grow from it. And you you like, trust me, I, I bring in the bad and I'm going to turn it into some kind of like positive learning experience. But I'm also like, I, I am that I am prancing in my property and now I'm going to have a yeah. mulch moat. You know what I mean? So where, how can I, what I can that. we do right. to, to just, you know, promote the, I mean, the, our genetics are going to be our genetics yeah. and how, when we have our yeah. little baby and our little baby stops drinking either breast milk or formula, mm-hmm. like what do we do? Yeah. How do we encourage yeah. a healthy But mental? I also want to say genetics don't define us. We've been taught that by pharma, so let's not go there, but, you know, one in six Americans are on a psychiatric med. Um, That's not okay, especially when we're not achieving better mental health. We're increasing it. Suicide rates among teens is, you know, 56% increase in the last decade. This is not okay. Like, you know, number one thing kids in college experience is loneliness, I mean, come You're on. In college. It was the best this time. Be the best time of your life. Years, you know, <laughs> you know. So we need to think differently. But you know, so what can parents do? So first of all, I want to say I wish everybody could come to my yeah. center, and I know that they can't. So I am working on a course. It's almost done, and the book is coming with it. Great. So and it's really the the gonna be what you can do because ninety percent of what I teach can be done on your own, and it's really through lifestyle change. So the first part is good nutrition, right? So how can you make nutrition easy? How can you make it where kids will actually eat it? You know, um, my kids didn't know. I mean, I'm the daughter of Italian immigrants. Food was medicine. So I never knew uh, that you shouldn't (laughs) eat like three vegetables at your meal. I didn't have bologna or mayonnaise until I was 13 years old. You had, you had cap, cap, what is it? Not cap, what's it yeah. called? Oh, mortadella. mortadella. We had mortadella, right? Mortadella. Um, and, you know, kids used to try to swap, like, for my soup. 
like they'd want to swap peanut butter and jelly, and I'd be like, "Get out of here!" Peanut butter and jelly. It's got white bread. I mean, what is that? You know, Portuguese roll. You know? uh, so, um, so you know, start them young, and you know, don't give them garbage. I mean, it's one of those things where don't buy junk food. I'm sorry, and your palate will change when you eat incredibly healthy, and your kids will think a raspberry is the best thing ever. You know, so if you're not there, because I'm never going to judge a mother, right? We only try to support them and give TLC. Start somewhere. Try swapping out, you know, your junky bread with a better version. You know, your um, chicken nuggets with grilled chicken. You know, swap out things that they like Mm -hmm. for healthier versions. Um, I always, and soon as my kids could barely move, I was like, you're going to start prepping food. You're going to spice it. You know, get them to get excited about it. Get them to take ownership about it. I mean, I'll call my teenager down from his bedroom and be like, can you put salt and pepper on this chicken? And he'll come down and do it. And, you know, they're just more likely to eat it when they do that. So these are things. And then, you know, you want to be economical about food. So, you know, buy healthier things on sale in bulk. Shop the big, you know, big box stores. Go to Trader Joe's. You know, find foods that um, are less expensive but super healthy. You know, prep meals on the weekend in batches, whatever you can do, because we are all busy families and most families have two working parents. But kids will eat this stuff if you're eating it and you're eating it together as a family. And I think that's so important Um, and a really easy place to start, even though it feels hard. I always say getting people to eat differently is is harder than changing your religion. You know, 100 percent. Yeah. And, you know, people will apologize. My youngest has never had wheat. And for a variety of reasons, he is actually celiac. And people will say, I'm very sorry. And I say, well, (laughs) I'm not sorry. (laughs) Whenever he goes out, he has a fifty six dollar steak every time. And he loves all the real food lobster. My kids have never eaten off a kid's menu. They want like, whoa, what's the most expensive item on this thing? But they want real food. I joke, but they, you know, they they like yummy, healthy so that, foods. That's your nutrition advice. It's yeah. basically real food. Real food. And that it's not no dairy, no meat, yeah. no this, no, no that. No, it's not paleo. It's not any of those things. It's just do your best yeah. with real food. With real food. Yeah. If your child has a clinical condition, ADHD, autism, anxiety, you want to step it up. You want to do an anti-inflammatory diet. Which means? Which means you want to reduce or eliminate sugar, gluten, and dairy. But the positive side is you really want to jack up your vegetables, your fruit, your protein, and your healthy fats. What are healthy fats? Healthy fats are nuts. They are, if they have an allergy, they're avocado, they're hummus, they're smoked salmon, eggs. Um, Eggs is a great cheap protein. And, you know, you really want to make sure your kids are having consistent levels of fat and protein to keep their brains activated. Um, And many of these kids, particularly kids on autism, have mitochondrial issues. They need more energy going to the cells. So that protein is going to keep it nice. Um, They also might have low muscle tone and you need higher levels of protein when you have low muscle tone Mm. for a lot of reasons. Your bowels can't constrict in the same way and you need heavier foods. Um, You need good bowel functioning. Um, So that's something that, you know, these are things parents can do 
and you know try if you if you're so busy I always say can you do a smoothie right right just just add one smoothie and throw a lot of good stuff in there yeah. you know and also you know kids will reject they say the research says between 9 and 11 times they'll reject a new food We've heard we had a picky eater oh, woman on this okay. on this, and she said up to 50 times. Yeah. But I've stuck. But let me tell you guys something. I have stuck with it. Good. And my children are now eating green beans and broccoli and a bunch of other different kinds of things. Wonderful. Um, so wait, I want to I want to get into what kinds of behavioral changes you've seen from diet, less stress. Yeah. You know, all of these all of these different kinds of things. What sort of more um what examples can you yeah give you know so from everything from adults to kids there can be quite dramatic changes I've had people who just had dietary change and they were suffering from anxiety and depression what does that look like lots of worry sleep problems headaches um mood going up and down completely resolved just with dietary changes amazing. how about that that's amazing right and i'm thinking of a mom who did it because her son had a concussion and when you have a concussion i really need you to get real clean i need to get that inflammation down um and i absolutely require a paleo or a keto diet for that. Um, and this was a, an 18-year-old, and he was really willing to do it. And we had a short amount of time. He had a concussion and wasn't getting better and wanted to go to college. Wow. So I, we had a deadline that if his brain wasn't working at a certain level, which, you know, I have QEG, so I can quantitatively look at it through data, plus we symptom track. And the mom said, you know what, I'm doing this diet with you. I'm not sleeping well. Oh. I feel anxious. I feel depressed. And she just did the diet and he did everything. And the change with them is absolutely incredible. Wow. And, you know, I love it. My, my I don't get to see people again because they get better. And right. they, like, you know, peace. but they message me on Facebook or they'll drop me a card. And I'm always like, please keep in touch. And, you know, so I've got to see what he's done in these years. And he's almost I think this is his senior year of college. And, you know, he's just continued wow. to do really well and hasn't had the same issues. That's amazing. How about that? Yeah. What about right? what about in terms of um, autism and ADHD yeah. and stuff like that? Is it? I mean, I know that probably a lot of mothers are, and fathers are thinking, you know, wouldn't it be great if my child just could be cured and yeah. doesn't have this anymore? That's not really a realistic expectation, well, is it? I I mean, I'm gonna say no. I mean, so you know, I you know, I can't use the word cured. Right. But what I can say is that I certainly have been on the healing journey where people have completely reversed and lost diagnosis. So amazing. pretty amazing. So, you know, autism is a tricky beast because we don't know every component of it. And there's always a ton of layers with autism. Like they're absolutely 100% of the time going to have gut issues. And in even the American Academy of Pediatrics just revised their uh, pediatric guidelines after a dozen years. It just happened in the last couple of months and finally said kids with autism have gut issues, you know, wow. <laughs> like, wow. wow, and can have sleep problems and whatnot. So you have to go through each of their issues and figure out why is it happening? What can you do? So ADHD is a classic example of how the power of neurofeedback, um, 50 years of thousands of research studies, three thousand plus peer-reviewed studies. Okay. I'm going to say that again, 3,000 peer-reviewed. What does that mean? It's a higher level of research where your peers are looking at it and saying this is clinically valid work. So with neurofeedback, you know, ADHD, the FDA allows us to do an just a simple analysis of having too many um, fat, slow brainwave activities and not enough 
fast, right? So it's um, a theta slow wave to beta activity. And so people with ADHD, it's very, very easy to spot them when you come in for a QEG because they'll have all the slow wave, daydreamy kind of brainwave activity and no power, no gas. That's the beta. Interesting. And it can be very genetic. It can be environmental. There's a lot of reasons. Gut um, lack of protein absorption in the gut will cause you to not get enough power to your brain. And that just even changing your diet can restore functioning. Wow. So when you do neurofeedback, which is basically you are teaching the brain to get into the rhythm, a healthy rhythm, through the use of computers, um, and it's a process of measurement and reinforcement, you're exercising the brain mm -hmm. during these typically 30 minutes twice a week. And there's providers all over the United States. You can go on to um, the certifying board, bcia.org, and find a provider. And they're certified, so they're going to be, you know, held to a higher caliber and they're more skilled. They've been practicing for a number of years and that's what you want. And so when they're coming in, they're sitting in front of a computer. Their computer's going to give it reinforcement within two to three seconds of the first time you're hooked up your brain will instantaneously get into a healthy rhythm because we're training the subconscious. So you are- This is wild. So this wild. Is wild. So cool. Right. I, I mean, you ladies need to come to my center. I, know, I just am like so excited for the reality and the possibilities that exist from the that. The possibilities are incredible. And it's used, so even though we treat a lot of clinical conditions with it, all the major athletes do it. Uh, it is commonly Ooh. done in, you know, the NFL, um, NFL for concussion. Yeah. But but um, all the major baseball players, you they all do it. They have their own. The Mets has their own neurofeedback provider. Um, Italy won the last cup. They had neurofeedback and biofeedback. It was very peak performance. It really lets you get to a very higher level of consciousness, which what does that translate to? You can process a Faster whole lot time. of information. Lots it's of pretty incredible. Yeah. So, of course, I've done hundreds of sessions of neurofeedback. <laughs> Do you and do it on I do yourself. Bio, yes, of course, <laughs> do I do biofeedback every day. What's bio, can you just quickly sure. explain neurofeedback versus yeah. biofeedback? So biofeedback is learning how to have conscious control of your body. So by controlling your breath or your um, body temperature, your skin conductance, um, you and your heart rate, you learn to self-regulate your body, which then has a positive impact on the brain. Almost and like that, a meditation. It's almost like a meditation, but it's more purposeful. So um, a really common one that's out now is something called heart rate variability. And there's a company called HeartMath. And it has, it's $159. You can buy it. And I don't make any money. I'm just happy to promote <laughs> it. And, um, and it teaches you to sync your breath and your heart rate. And it's a tool. It's very easy. It's just an app that with a pacer that shows you. It's so fabulous and increases um, beta and it's used clinically for anxiety, depression and insomnia. I had I started my kid at two years old on it. And it is a wonderful tool. It self-regulates the nervous system, gets you out of that sympathetic dominant system where you're in the stress state, gets you into uh, parasympathetic, and you're able to calm down, relax. And it works instantaneously. It's a lovely, lovely, inexpensive thing that anybody can do. Can you do. use it on multiple people? Oh, you one can use machine it on, one on machine. multiple people? The whole family people? can yeah. use it. I'm like thinking that it has to all be like, this one is just yours. I'm just thinking in terms of like my my boys that yeah, like beat absolutely. each other up. And you know, they don't, at this point, they have no diagnosis whatsoever yeah. other than being little boys. Well, boys are um, supposed to beat each other yes, up. I'm I, the mother of boys I, too. But I, <laughs> 
I like take, I make them take deep breaths. Yeah. And like I'll go like child's right. pose, like yeah. this, but like, but Downward like let's, dog. Like, let's yeah. like paste something let's on Let's do them, it. And then and we'll you, turn on an app. And it'll be great. You can make a contest out of it because it shows you like, um, it gives you visuals to show you like, ooh, I'm in the red, I'm in the blue, which is medium, oh. or I'm in the green, I'm oh, in the zen. I love the green. So, um, and it, you can put a song to it. So like we each have our own song and then you just do it for three to five minutes. It's a wonderful, wonderful tool. That's amazing. Yeah. And you're, you're syncing your breath and your heart rate. It's heart rate variability. It's great, great tool. So- that's what biofeedback is. And neurofeedback is direct brainwave retraining. So people come in for a cue. I can see what areas of dysfunction are in the brain and I can directly train it. And what it does is it produces new electrical activity in the brain. Mm-hmm. It's pretty incredible. And that's a process. That's typically people are coming in, let's say on average, medium case of ADHD would probably be 40 sessions because we have something called homeostasis and the body and the brain likes to be where it's at. Right. And doesn't want to change. So it takes time, like building a muscle, as an athlete knows. Um, you can't do the treadmill one time and lose 20 pounds. Right. <laughs> Damn. 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 Um, so you have to do it. So when it comes to reversing ADHD, I mean, it's a proven track record for ADHD to eliminate symptoms. Amazing. Amazing. And lasting. And the research substantiates um, that as far as 10 years out, not only have they sustained the change that the brain actually continued to get better. Well, that's what I think is so interesting. I mean, the human brain is just everything we learn about it shows, A, how little of it we're actually using and B, how capable and Im- immense the potential for it is and how much it can be retrained. That I love that mm-hmm. you said genetics are not our destiny necessarily. Right. Um, and and this is true for, I think, you know, again, for, for the moms listening, for women listening, period, negative self-talk, negative ideas, you pave these pathways. And like you said, your mm-hmm. brain has homeostasis, your body's homeostasis. You are most comfortable with whatever pathway is easiest. And the easiest pathway is the one that you take all the time. So by by changing even just the way you think about yourself and the pathways of thought that are most frequent and common to you, you literally change your brain chemistry, which Absolutely. I think is so cool. Yeah. Um, and, then, and, and the way that we talk to our children and the way that we tell them that we talk about ourselves really shifts and trains that as well. I want to talk about your, what's your 60 degree reboot program? Oh, my 360. Yes. So, oh, 360. Uh, we missed 360. a 360. <laughs> <laughs> We're only making a fifth yeah. of a turn here. It's, <laughs> um, it's actually Six. my trademark program. Okay. Um, so, so many people have contacted me in other states and countries that I had to develop a program for people to come in and do an intensive. So, it's taken all of these things we talked about and it is in the program. So I work with kids of all ages. I work with adults. And, you know, the last person I just had was somebody who came out of a psychiatric hospital for PANS and was a young child and the parents didn't know what to do. Um, And so we were able to get them in and, you know, and then um, did a whole program of neurofeedback, biofeedback, pulse electromagnetic frequency training, and a lot of psychotherapy because actually the whole family was absolutely had PTSD. Of course. It was horrible. This was a child that was sedated and tied down for oh nine days gosh. in a hospital. Oh, my God. And um, was misdiagnosed, even though there was clear evidence of very, very high titers of strep. The hospital didn't treat it. And so she had to go through three hospitals what? before she was treated and became psychotic. 
So oh it was it was horrible. My breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. And um, so, you know, in this case, we did. I always say we do a lot of cocooning. Right. So if I don't get a mom crying by the third day, I'm not doing my job. <laughs> that can't be your goal. <laughs> but they need to. It's so it's scary. A it's a release. Of course it is. So no, then it's course. a lot of building up. It's a lot of psychoeducation. We do nutrition. We bring in a doctor. We do all kinds of things all at once. And, you know, we basically cram in about three and a half months of treatment into two weeks. And and then I send you with tools. I always send you with biofeedback. I always do other things. And then we do a lot of post-care kind of follow-up with you. If I can connect you with a provider in the area, I connect you with a provider. Um, and, you know, we just do a lot of repair to get you to a, a different baseline, change that homeostasis. For most people, there's still more work to do, but it's completely different. And, you know, a lot of my families, like I've had people come and bring their three kids under age seven because it's easier to leave your life for two weeks than schlep. You know, I have people that drive three hours each way, two or three times a week wow. to me. And I don't want that for them, but I don't have, particularly when it comes to things like pans and pandas and just truly using science-based and integrative mental health approach, there aren't a lot of people doing what we're doing. So, so you know, I am training other people. I am in the process of developing a whole CE-based program for other mental health providers um, because we need it. They're not getting this from the traditional lines, you know, the American Psychological Association, all these other things. Are, they're just, they're doing bits and pieces and they need deep work. So how did you get the full picture? Like where yeah. did all, because you said, you know, you're changing the future of how we diagnose, yeah. how we treat. But how did you yeah. put all this together? Well, so, you know, as I noted, I'm the daughter of Italian immigrants and they are also entrepreneurs. They're adorable. And um, <laughs> but I didn't know that holistic was a thing. Like it just was part of my life. And as a young child, this truly was my calling. I had no exposure to mental health. And I used to tell people I wanted to be a psychiatrist. And when um, I realized it was a med prescriber, I said, let me change it to a psychologist. So I kind of came in this way and I started working with kids. And it was the early 90s, and my first experience was working in a psychiatric hospital. And I said, this is a residential psychiatric hospital. Wow. And they had a ward for kids under age five. Oh, my God. And talk about breaking your heart. And I said, this has to um, – this this can't be right. And so as I worked, you know, I always did evidence-based things, great therapy, lots of connection. There was just a point where I couldn't go any further. So, you know, I always taught people about nutrition and homeopathy and supplements. I always did that because that was stuff that I did. But, you know, I just saw a rise in psychiatric medications and a worsening of problems. And many of the kids I worked with would try psychiatric medications and have horrible, horrible adverse reactions. So um, it makes a lot of sense to me now because we now know about genetic mutations and gut health and they couldn't absorb them and utilize them. And plus, there's no science behind, you know, these psychiatric medications with kids. They're like, hey, sounds like you have ADHD. Let me give you this. They're not measuring. We have neurotransmitter testing that can be done through saliva. Rarely it's done. So we're not really taking a scientific approach to that. So as I, you know, I'm somebody, I'm a healer. I want my families to get better, right? And I know that all providers do. But I said, I'm just going to look. And it was really pretty easy to find more. So my holistic bent 
drove me to this, but really it was all those kids. And um, I in particular got involved in neurofeedback because I had a child named Alec who I worked with who was the worst kid, kid, case of ADHD I've ever seen in my life. And I worked in all kinds of places. Long and short of it, his mom called me up and said, I heard about this thing called neurofeedback. Should I do it? It's like an hour and a half, three times a week. I got to drive each way. And I said, do it. I wrote a research paper on it. And she went, she did it. He saw, I saw him out in the street and this kid's intention was maybe 30 seconds. If I turned around, he literally would be climbing a wall. It, no dramatization, like literally it was that extreme. And he would have been diagnosed with autism later. So I see him out in the street. He comes up to me. He looks me in the eye and he goes, how you doing, Dr. Roseanne? I turned to his ah! mother and I said, holy <laughs> shit, what meds you have him on? And she goes, that's neurofeedback done. So oh, I wow. just changed my, you know, viewpoint. And then I realized, you know, okay, so I'm doing nutrition. I'm doing neurofeedback. There's no one size fit all. Like right. if somebody tells you they have the one thing, run. It's, I'm always looking at the research. Let's try this. Let's try this too. I do three kinds of neurofeedback. I don't do one, you know, because certain things work better. Right. And as the rise of um, infectious disease and medical problems have come up, you know, I dive deep into that. And I have to do more for that to support the mental health side of it. So that's how my clients led me to that because what I was doing was not helping. Dr. Google. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Google. It was pre-Google. It was pre-Google. It was Dr. Into, library. Don't it was Dr. Library. It was like microfiche. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So, that's, really, um, that's dedication. Right. But that's it was good. there. The research yeah. was there. Even then in the 90s, there was already thousands of research studies about neurofeedback and biofeedback so old. You know what I mean? So, you know, and uh, so it's there and, and the, the evidence there, I'm all evidence based, you know, based. I collect a lot of data. I do things, you know, to show people, mm. you know, we do behavioral ratings. We have the QEG analysis. So we have lots of data and it's important, you know, and there's a way for people to get better. And the question is, is it a full healing or is it a clinical improvement? That's the part you don't know. But there's lots that we can do and parents need to know that. Beside medication, there's so much to do. It's so empowering for sure. We do want to ask yeah. you what your favorite thing is. Now, I know that you yeah. already you talked about I'm your I'm going to talk machine, about so heart math. Yeah. So let's, heart math is a biofeedback device that's very accessible. It's $159. And, you know, hopefully that's accessible for most people. Um, and I think that it's just a way to calm the nervous system. And our nervous system needs a break every day. So whether you meditate and you can use one of those free apps for meditation, you do yoga, you do journaling, whatever it is, you need at least 10 minutes of quiet time. And it's great to teach kids this because it helps keep their nervous system calm, which makes their brains and bodies work better. Amazing. Wonderful. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank, Thank you. you. This is a fact. All right, guys, that was Dr. Roseanne. One of the things that I just felt so amazing about during this is that Whenever there's a problem, you just want to feel like you can do something. Mm -hmm. And she gives so many, it's just like endless possibilities of all different kinds of mixtures of different kinds of therapies and diets and this and that. And it just feels like, all right, great. I can try this rather than feeling hopeless and like, hey, you know what it is what it is and it sucks. But to be constantly sort of invigorated and, and just given hope by trying somebody mm -hmm. and having somebody believe in you. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like knowing that your practitioner 
believes in you and has confidence that things can at least get better. Completely. And that she says, look, you know, run, run from anyone who tells you there's a one size fits all quote unquote cure for anything on the spectrum, anything. Or lack of cure. Or lack of cure. Correct. Because bio, your, your brain's chemistry, your body's unique mitochondrial function, DNA, all of that. She said, we are not our genes, which is amazing, which mm-hmm. is, you know, you do have the ability to turn on and off different genes and to, and to create health in certain ways that maybe you're not doing right now, but also that you, uh, that your, that your specific DNA, your specific body will tell me something different about how to help you approach healing. Yes, 100%. And now it's time for our favorite things. time for our favorite things. Yes! In light of the fact that we talked a little bit in this episode about removing inflammatory elements from your diet, if you if you feel that, that would be helpful, obviously I, I look for ways to boost the nutritional value of my meals and of my kids' meals, um, and, you know, my family's meals, but I also really focus on deliciousness also. Um, I love these Siete alternative flour wraps. So these are like tortilla wrap replacements. Um, They come in a variety of different nut blends. So you can get almond flour ones or they they have cashew ones, but they also have cassava uh, flour-based ones. So, you know, if you're you're just gluten-free or you're paleo or you can't have nuts or you can have nuts, they're just such a great – option to have. My kids love quesadillas. So we oftentimes end up making them with these wraps and I make myself little like egg, egg tacos in the mornings and things with them. And I just find them to be, um, super delicious and a really nice thing to have on hand if you're worried about or looking for ways to reduce some of your grain consumption. Love it. I definitely want to try this. We love a good tortilla in my house. A tortilla. Um, Mine today, since we're talking about gut health so much. Oh, look, I'm like turning into Daphne. Ah! Um, I am really big into this probiotic by Griff and Ivy Rose. Um, They sent me a a little um, bottle of these probiotics for kids and they actually have them for adults and I've been taking them as well. And they're chocolate hearts and they're delicious and they're supposed to be really good from the research that I've done. I'm sure that Daphne has- My kids eat too many of them. They taste like candy. Okay, so good. I'm glad that Daphne likes them too. I do, I do like them. I stock up on them now. I love them so very much. And, um, and it's just nice to have something that the kids are like, get excited about. Like they literally remind me in the morning for their probiotics. And I mean, I just think that everybody talks about how important gut health health is. Dr. Roseanne was talking about how important gut health is. And it's one of those things that I just like every single day we make sure that we're doing now. Um, so yeah. Well, I hope you guys really enjoyed. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to share with your friends. Follow us on Instagram. Find us YouTube, kind of everywhere. Email us mombrainpod at gmail.com. And again, thanks for listening. And we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Mom Brain is a Gallery Media Group original production.